golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We were born to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on 740 The Game. I love to play. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. I turn on the lights. I love to play. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4. In the house, Holly G tonight, and uh, somewhere in traffic is Will Perry, who we hope uh, will be stepping in any moment. But we have a lot of golf talk tonight, uh, a lot on our plate as uh, we're getting ready for golf to be back in the Olympic Games Beginning tomorrow, the first time since 1904, and uh, a lot of great things shaping up down there. And I think we're going to see some. I think we're going to see some surprises in terms of the stories that might come out of uh, the Olympics. And um, wow, how about Jim Furyk, 46 years old and uh, making a historic 58. In his final round of the Travelers, best round ever in the PGA Tour. Chris, what do you think? Could you put that amount of birdies together? Could you hit all 18 fairways in one round like Jim did? I think if I were to golf every day for the rest of my life, I still wouldn't be able to do what he did. That is incredible. That's an outstanding achievement. It was Furyk's 207th bogey-free round, the most on tour since 1994. He birdied number 6 through 12. The second seven consecutive birdies was the longest streak of his career. Now, this is something I think is really interesting. Entering the week, Furyk averaged 33 feet 9 inches from the hole on his approach shots. He was more than 12 feet better than that on Sunday, hitting his approach shots an average 21 feet, 6 inches from the hole. The rest of the field, Chris, 36 feet, 5 inches Sunday. So, you know, these guys are good, but, hey, they still have to make those putts. Yeah, it also helps when you can get the ball just a little bit closer to the hole. That way you're not chipping in from 30-plus feet to try and at least save birdie or even save par. Yeah, I I mean, it— he, you know, the other thing about Jim is uh, he had tied the PGA Tour record with a 59 at the 2013 BMW Championship. So 46. I mean, this guy. All right. We're talking about Olymp- the Olympics growing the game. But I say, you know, all these 40 somethings, there's a lot of room out there for a bunch of 40 somethings to pick up this game. I know yeah, you don't absolutely. qualify just yet, bud, but you're getting close. I still got plenty of time. Don't make me older than what I really am, Holly. Uh, So, you know, terrific round for Jim. Uh, Russell Knox was the winner at the Travelers, but both are significant victories because they're on the eyes 
of their Ryder Cup captains, Darren Clark, as well as Davis Love III, who uh, have some captain's choices to make as we're nearing uh, the final selections for the Ryder Cup, which, of course, will be uh, up in Minnesota in September. We've got such a jam-packed schedule of golf uh, with the Olympics here and then moving into the Tour Championship, the FedEx Cup playoffs, and uh, the uh, Ryder Cup. So there's there's a lot of golf on our plate. Uh, another key golf event that's coming up that we've been talking about for the last uh, few weeks is something that the Golf Insiders is very, very proud to be involved with, and that is the uh, Golf United Four Pulse Charity Scramble that's going to be held on August 26th, that's a Friday, out at Grand Cypress Golf Club. You've heard us talking about this event. We're very excited about it. A number of us from the golf community have gotten together to host this tournament, organize this tournament to benefit the victims from the Pulse tragedy. And um, there's still some space if you're interested in uh, putting a team together. It's a great opportunity to come out and play one of our best golf courses in the Orlando area at Grand Cypress. They have uh, very, very generously donated the golf course for this event You can come out for $85 per person, or if you want to put a team together, you save a few more bucks for $300. We're still looking for some sponsors. A lot of ways you can get involved with this terrific event. So, um, you know, come on out. Take the day off on Friday, August 26th. It's an 8 a.m. shotgun, but we got a lot of activities happening after that. Uh, Lunch, a silent auction. We're having an after party with entertainment. All kinds of fun activities on the golf course, plenty of beverages and delicious food and a wonderful opportunity for a wonderful cause. And um, I'm really very, very uh, privileged to have with us for a few minutes tonight uh, one of the beneficiaries of our tournament. Uh, Our proceeds will benefit both One Orlando Fund and Pulse of Orlando, and I'm pleased to have on the line, Ali Benitez, the founder and board president of Pulse of Orlando, uh, to share a, f- a few words with us. Thank you, Ali, so much. Thank you, Holly. I appreciate it. Excited to be on the show. Um, we're really uh, pleased to be uh, helping with uh, you know your organization. I was at the town hall meeting last Wednesday, and um, really. Uh, just, you know, very moving and touching to, you know, be amongst some of the, the families and, and the victims. And, uh, of course, you know, both of your organizations doing such, um, you know, a great job to assist to assist these families in need. But tell us how Pulse of Orlando is organizing and distributing funds and how you're working alongside One Orlando, both of whom will uh, be beneficiaries of our event. Sure. So Pulse of Orlando really started. I'm um, uh, Barbara, the owner, is a family friend of mine and a client of our law firm. And so, you know, I'm in that community. I've been to Pulse many times. So when it happened, we started because we knew there was going to be an immediate need. And we knew that with, you know, the red tape and things that the city has to go through, they wouldn't be able to distribute quickly. 
so we wanted to be able to collect funds and get those funds out immediately to people who needed it now. And so that's what we've been doing. And, um, you know, we're just very thankful to our donors and to events like this because it, it allows us to, you know, have people not be evicted or be able to pay their power bills or families to pay for some of the funeral expenses, things like that, that uh, they just didn't have the money for. Um, yeah, I, I think you really, I know for myself, you know, I got really present to some of the things that uh, the families are, you know, still going through. There's still some um, mm-hmm. victims that are in the hospital. I know one mother spoke about her son that is, you know, still being hospitalized. And then, you, you know, you just look at how it impacts, you know, members of the family. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of how the city has come together with this, uh, I was just, you know, so impressed with the town hall all of the questions that were asked and, you know, the participation by, by so many to, you know, do the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the city's done an amazing job. Um, the leadership's been incredible. We, we've been working closely with them, meeting with them often, you know, members of the One, One Orlando Board, and, and we have met several times just to make sure, you know, we're all on the same page and that we're not duplicating efforts, which I think the whole community has been really great with the communication so, you know, I think as long as we can continue to fill that immediate need right now until One Orlando can distribute, these funds are absolutely needed. And, um, and you know, people are going to be extraordinarily grateful to, to, to get those funds in their hands. Um, you know, how in general with some of these people that, you know, the victims that you've been dealing with, how are they coping? Uh, you know, we're just about six weeks past um, this, this yeah. you know, horrific event. Yeah, Um Everyone's coping differently. I think some people it, it actually hasn't is just starting to hit or it hasn't really hit um, yet. So there's going to be another wave, another round of, of things coming up for a lot of these people. So that's why we would just want to make sure that we can continue to give them that assistance, even if it means we continue after the One Orlando Fund distributes. As long as that need is there, we want to be able to be there because everyone is grieving differently and their process is all different, you know. Absolutely. Well, that's why we in the golf community came together. We wanted to do something to make a difference. We formed this group, Golf United. We intend for this to be an annual fundraising event to support, you know, the Pulse victims uh, because certainly there there will be long-term needs. It's terrific what all of you are doing in terms of the short-time financial needs. You know, sometimes you just, you know, you do, you forget. Um, And a lot of these you know, mm-hmm. these were kids in their 20s, right, working right. hourly jobs. Right, exactly, exactly. So I just have to really thank you guys because I'm I'm really excited about this event and, you know, the fact that that need is going to be ongoing, um, it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge to those victims. So I really thank you all for putting in the effort and putting this together. All right. Ali Benitez, founder and board president of Pulse of Orlando, Thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us. And as I said, we still have space available uh, for teams. You can go to golfunited.org. That's golfunited.org. We'd love to see you out there at Grand Cypress Golf Club Friday, August 26th. Come out and join us. It's going to be a memorable and fun day. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. We are going straight to Rio and the Olympics. Stay with us. We've got lots of golf talk coming up. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking 
We're back, the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4. In the house, Holly G, and just off the fairways of I-4, Will Intrepid Perry. (laughs) Intrepid, that's an interesting one. Coming across I-4 right now today is Intrepid. It It is terrible. It's like the U.S. Open rough trying to battle through that there. Yeah, no doubt. Well, uh, glad to have you in here. My friend, uh, Kevin Sternett, is off at a teacher's meeting tonight. So uh, it's it's a you and me, baby. And we're going to waste no more time. We're going straight to Rio and uh, get the impressions for a first-timer there. Bob Herrick from ESPN going to give us the Olympic scoop. Hey, Bob. Hey, how's it going? Awesome. So excited to uh, get the firsthand experience. Um, what was it like from the minute you you landed? Well, it's uh, obviously it's a beautiful place. Uh, the weather was really bad today. It was more like Scotland, but uh, I think that's just a one-off. Uh, when the sun's out, it's really nice. The temperature's great. This is their winter. You know, it's sort of like a Florida winter. Uh, Orlando winter, uh, January, February is how the weather is here. Uh, not too terribly hot, but, uh, but, but just right when, uh, when, when the sun's out and, uh, it's been, it's been good. I wish I knew a little bit more Portuguese that would help me. But, um, uh, other than that, uh, it's, uh, it's been going along just fine. Um, you know, a lot of the issues I think have been a bit overplayed. And, um, you know, so far it's been a, a neat experience. The people are terrific. They're trying to be helpful. Um, and uh, I think, you know, I, we'll talk about a little bit, but the, I've never seen so many golfers just really thrilled to be playing a golf tournament. I just think uh, it's completely different than what we're used to seeing uh, on the pro tours. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and um, it was an interesting story um... Uh, ben Everill wrote, who I know you know on PGA Tour today, uh, you know, really speaking to, you know, the idea that, um, you know, despite the fact of a lot of the top players not being there, that it is about the Olympic experience and that, you know, many, many athletes, you know, grow up and are inspired as kids, right, by, you know, athletes they see in the Olympics, uh, and I, I think the future of this in terms of how it will impact golf around the world can't be dismissed. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, I think what you're, what you're finding, and I actually wrote a story about this today about Padre Carrington, who is 45 years old, and he's like a kid. He's so thrilled to be here. Um, he was part of the... Uh, delegation that went to Switzerland in 2009 to push for golf in the Olympics. Here he is seven years later competing in them. He needed people to withdraw for him to get the chance. And he said, you know, for me, it's once in a lifetime. And for the ones who are missing, you know, I think they're going to regret it because there's no guarantee that you'll be back here the next time. And you know they're getting to meet other. They're getting to meet other athletes. They're, they're, a lot of these guys are hanging out in the Olympic Village, um, and they marvel at their peers in other sports. And um, uh, you know, and then you and then you talk to some of the people who are not uh, high up in the world rankings. Um, there's 
11 players in the field, in the men's field, who have never played in a major. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, this, is, this is their major. You know, uh, I, I wrote about a guy, uh, Adelson da Silva. He's from Brazil. He's uh, going to tee off first tomorrow morning. He's played in two majors in his career. He's 44 years old. You know, I mean, this is it for him. This is the biggest thing going. I mean, he's like ranked 288th in the world. He plays on the Sunshine Tour uh, in, in South Africa. I mean, he's had to go a long way from home to make a living in golf, and he's never really made it made a strong foothold on the European Tour, let alone trying for the PGA Tour. And so to have the opportunity to do something like this, um, I, it's just, uh, you know, these guys are never going to forget it. It's... Uh, it's a great experience. I know, I know there's a lot of flaws with it for golf. I know there's a lot of things we can pick apart. I've done it. Um, you know, the format, the timing, the schedule, all those things are negatives, but there's a lot of positives that can come from this. Yeah, I, I, I think of um, Jonathan Vegas, you know, who just recently won the RBC Canadian Open. Um, you know, he's from Venezuela. When asked, um, you know, who he would dedicate his win to, uh, he would. He said, I would say my country, Venezuela. Venezuela is a country that is suffering right now, a lot of issues politically, economically, socially. It's just a tough place right now. A lot of people are hurting. So I definitely I want to dedicate it to the country. I mean, you know, th- this, this is super important for, you know, th- these players. Well, that's the thing, is, too, is a country like that doesn't probably have an abundance of Olympic athletes like we do, you know, we, we have a lot of people we can follow in a, in a country like that. It's maybe a handful. I don't know how many Olympians they have, but you can't imagine it's very, very many. Well, so the ones who are there are going to want to follow someone from their homeland and they might not know much about golf. That's not a big sport in Venezuela, but yet now maybe they'll get into it. You know, there might be some 10 year old or 12 year old boy or girl who watches him and if they see him have any success, they might say, hey, maybe that's my way to, to, to do something for myself in sports. And, and that's exactly what the, the leaders who wanted golf in the Olympics are, are talking about. They're not talking about growing the game in the U.S. or the U.K., where, where golf already has a strong foothold and there are other means to grow the game that need to take place. You know, the things we've talked about many times, like uh, – pace of play and cost and, 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 and all kinds of stuff like that. But in, in other countries, where, here in Brazil, a country of 200 million people, there's about 20,000 golfers. I mean, you know, there's probably 20,000 golfers in Orlando. You know? Wow. Uh, it's just, it, it just shows you how much it is off the radar here. Well, now they've got their own golf course. It's a public course. Uh, first time they've ever had a public course here. And, uh, you know, the hope is is that people will go play, take up the game. You know, maybe 20 years from now, they'll have 200,000 golfers. You know, it's got to start somewhere. And that's – I think it's a noble effort. It, it's, it's not easy, but, um, you know, that's what they're looking at. They're not talking about growing the game locally because of the Olympics. You know, we have a lot of – plenty of exposure to golf in the U.S. Plenty of ways that we can try to grow the game, uh, but uh, in a place like this, you know, uh, you know there, 
people don't understand it or know it. Now, now they might look at the golf course that's down the street from them and go, wow, that place is beautiful. Maybe I should go try to learn how to do this. Absolutely. Uh, give us a little sense of the golf course. Um, uh, Gil Hans, you know, the architect, was a surprising pick, beat out, you know, a lot of others that we might have expected may have uh, made the grade. But tell us, tell us uh, about the golf course. How, how has it turned out? Well, I, from my perspective, I think it's terrific. I mean, it, it, it's, he, he did something that kind of goes with, with the land that he had. Um, you know, it's not right on the ocean, but it's near it. It's got a lynx-like look, sandy base. Uh, he did bunkering like you'd see in Australia and Melbourne, you know, in, those, in the Sandbell courses. Uh, really nice looking. There's no trees. It's a course that's going to be very susceptible to wind. Uh, there's a good chance for some windy conditions tomorrow. It'll be, it'll be tricky. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think, I think he did a, a really nice job. He's got a lot of good compliments from the players. Um, you know, these guys, I think would let us know if they didn't like it or they're, if, if they didn't, if, if they didn't like it and they were trying to be politically correct about it, you might be able to read between the lines, but there have been some really, really good comments from these guys about the course, and I think that speaks well. I mean, he really put a lot of effort into it. As you noted, he, he beat out a lot of uh, big-name designers who would, would have loved to have had the project. And, uh, you know, I think Gill's made a little bit more of a name for himself because of it. Yeah, good for him. And we know there were, you know, many, many struggles in the beginning. And, you know, he delivered the golf course and, uh, you know, delivered it on time against, you know, quite a few odds uh, from the beginning. The, the course itself uh, sounds like it's got an interesting uh, finishing three holes, a drivable par four, 16, a short par three, 17, 133 yards, which sounds like that could be full of some uh, birdies and maybe some bogeys. And then uh, a two-shot or par five, possibly, that could bring some, some eagles. <clears throat> would be really nice to have a, a close competition on Sunday with those holes at the end. Uh, and I think, you know, that was a really good move on Gill's part, too. A drivable par four, you know, obviously a, a par three, which, which can lead to birdies, pars, or bogeys, or worse. And then a two-shot par five, given the right conditions that you could go for and make an eagle. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Padraig Heron can joke today about, you know, I'd I'd love to come down and go eagle birdie, eagle to win. Uh, and that's possible for somebody, you know, the way, the way it's set up. And I think that's good. Uh, uh, I think that makes, you know, I, I think what the tournament really could use is a, is a compelling finish. You know, uh, uh, you know ideally a, a close, um, you know, tournament to, to decide the, the outcome. And, and maybe you have a, a, a name winner uh, and a – a guy from a emerging golf nation that maybe we've not heard of finish second or third. I mean, I think that would be the best of both worlds if you could get something like that because, obviously, if it, let's say somebody like uh, Anurban Lahiri won. That would be huge in India, just huge, somebody like that. Uh, Johnny Vegas, like you had mentioned. And that's not out of the realm of possibility at all for him to win. Uh, but just some of even the, the guys that, you know, that are – they're not up there as much uh, because they're, you know, they, they, they come from countries where golf isn't as prevalent. If somebody like that could really have a great week 
and get his name on the leaderboard and get discussed, it would just be huge. And, uh, you and know, a- I, think, uh, I think there's a possibility for all of that. And, of course, this is my opportunity to put the spotlight on my favorite, one of my favorites, Sergio. How about his bringing home the gold since, you know, first time since 1904, perhaps finally getting a very special mark on his resume? You know, I, I think it would only be fitting if he won. Given all of his struggles in the majors, his inability to win a major, and then to win the Olympic gold, you know, I think I think it almost like it almost sets up for that. Uh, you know, and and he's been a guy who's who's been uh, who's who's been behind golf in the Olympics. He seems to be engaged. I think I think the ones who uh, who have a really good attitude about it are the ones who are going to have the most success. You know, that's why Padraig, I think Henrik Stenson, Martin Keimer, uh, Sergio, uh, the guys who who are into it. And, and let's be honest, the Americans, those guys all seem to be enjoying the experience. Kucher, Bubba, Ricky, uh, uh, Patrick Reed, they all seem to have enjoyed they, they They did a phenomenal job in their news conference yesterday of, of uh, making themselves and making the U.S. players uh, as a whole look good. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was a, a, a great job by them to show a funny side and, and, their, and their interest in being here instead of sort of just kind of muddling through a news conference and hoping to get it over with. Yeah, well, I think it's, um, I think everybody's just, you know, they're, they're as much a fan and a spectator uh, as well as participant, and I, I think it's terrific. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking forward to seeing it get going. All right, Bob, thank you so much. Stay safe, have a lot of fun, and uh, we'll be Watching for all your coverage on ESPN.com. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. Stay with us. We'll be back with more Olympic Golf Talk. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, that's my job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble, won't pay the price. I love my muni. I think it's nice. It's good to just make We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G. And Will Perry. Hopefully you're managing the fairways. I know they're a little rough. There's, I think, double and triple cut rough going uh, through the city tonight. Right, Will? Yes, it's uh, it's interesting out there. So everybody just sit back, listen to us. We're uh, giving you all your Olympic golf talk as we are on the eve of golf, coming back into the Olympics for the first time since 1904. Pretty exciting stuff for our sport as well as golf around the world. And uh, we're going back to Rio. We are always uh, lucky when we get a few minutes of his time. One of the busiest guys and best dressed in golf, Todd Lewis from the Golf Channel. From Rio. Hey, Todd. Hey, guys. How are you? Doing very well. Uh, your crew is already hard at work. We've been getting all kinds of great updates on Golf Central. As always, Golf Channel providing fans of the game so m- many insights. And uh, how's it felt for you? Uh, this is your first Olympics. <laughs> well, it's been, it's been an unbelievable and memorable experience for me personally. Uh, not only the fact that golf is returning to the Olympics, uh, for the first time in 112 years, but 
it's just it really is a vibrant sense of community here and all the nations coming together certainly much more than i anticipated i, I mean as someone who i i mean i'm not on tour as much as the golfers are uh so i didn't know what to expect the players didn't know what to expect uh we've, we've read everything that's happening down here that's negative be it zika be it security be it water and so on so you were a little apprehensive once you landed. But I can tell you, first and foremost, I feel very secure. Uh, secondly, all the other issues I don't really find to be a problem. And secondly, talking to the athletes, and I, I totally endorse what they're saying, going to these other venues and seeing these other great athletes do what they do. Um, for example, last night I was very, very fortunate to be in the swimming venue to watch Michael Phelps win his 20th and 21st gold medal. Wow. And, A, I have a sense of patriotism. I'm very proud to be from the United States. And, and B, you, you're part of, of sporting history here, and it's being shared not only from with people, rather, in the United States, but people globally. I mean, you had the people from Paraguay and Hungary and Brazil rooting for Michael Phelps because you understand what he has meant to the Olympic Games. Um, so it, it, this transcends golf. This really does. This is, this is going to grow the game. I'll give you a perfect example. I'm sorry I'm sitting here taking over this interview, but uh, I, I had a chance to talk to the high, highest-ranked player in the field, spent a lot of time with him this week, we're one-on-one, and on and off the golf course, and that's Henrik Stenson. He's number five in the world. The top four players aren't here. Jason Day, Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, and Roy McIlroy. And... We were talking, and I said, well, hey, Henrik, you know, you know, you've done everything just about in golf. You've won a major championship now. You've won the FedEx Cup. You've won the race to Dubai on the European Tour. If you win a gold medal, what does that mean to you, and what does that mean to, to your home country of Sweden? He said, and this is very surprising to me, and because I'm in the golf bubble, and this is a golf show, and maybe surprising to you and your listeners too, he said, really, people don't think it's a big deal back home in Sweden that I won the Open. But if I win a bronze medal, if I win a bronze medal, not the gold medal, it's a big deal. It's bigger than winning the Open. And that just puts everything into perspective about how big the Olympics are, other countries around the world, not just to the good folks in the United States. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, you know the tours have now spread as we know, all over the world, the Asian tour, the Sunshine Tour in South Africa, Latin, Latino America, Canada, China, Australasia, right? Plus the Web.com and the Challenge Tour. I mean, they're good players, you know, all over the world. And I think we're going to get a chance to see some, you know, great competition. Right. And you're right. There are very strong pockets of golf, but there are also areas where golf is not a big deal. Um, again, uh, to go back to some other conversations I've had this week, Joost Lauten, uh, people may not know who he is, but he's played a lot in the United States. He's, uh, I think, 66 in the official world golf ranking. He's from the Netherlands. And I said, where is golf on the sporting scale in your home country? He said, probably 15th. So, you know, there's not, there's not a golf channel in the Netherlands. Um, and so he's the, actually he's the only one here – let me just show you how unimportant golf is in the Netherlands. He's the only player here from the Netherlands. Um, the, the ladies have an opportunity. There are some the ladies that play on the Ladies European Tour. 
they did not qualify in the top 60 in the Olympic standings. They still could have come over here and played, but the Dutch um, government said, even though you can still come over here and play, you're still eligible to play, we think you won't be good enough to possibly be on the podium for a medal, so we're not going to send you over there. We're not going to give you the money to go over there, even though there's still a chance they could be on the podium. So that kind of says what the Netherlands um, thinks about golf. So, you know, I mean, look at Rio. I mean, folks may not know this. You know, we're trying to go golf here. But outside this golf course that you're going to see on uh, the next four days in competition, there are only two other golf courses in Rio, two other golf courses, and they are private. So golf really isn't very vibrant here in this area of South America. So there, this is a great opportunity for, to grow the game in the Netherlands or in Bangladesh or, you know, wherever, you know, these, wherever these, these pockets are of golf that need to be expanded. It's healthy in Australia. It's healthy generally in Europe. Um, it's obviously healthy in the United States. So this is a big, big catapult uh, through the Olympic stage to promote golf. Todd, speaking about the, the golf course a little bit, um, you know, Bob Harrig was just on a couple minutes ago, kind of mentioned a few things about the course and, and about Gil Hansen, the way the, the course is designed and with weather and how it might hold up. But what sort of play could, could we see be successful this week from the different players and and what are some of the things that maybe, you know, watchers and listeners can can look out for? Well, I don't know what Bob talked about. Did he talk about the final three holes on this golf course? Most definitely. It sounds like it's going to be definitely yeah. exciting. Well, that's where that's where the excitement's going to be. Uh, 16 drivable, reachable par four off the tee, although it's going to take a very good shot. I mean, it's, it's not just, you know, simply whack it. You're going to be up and around the green. It ends a little bit. It's got some curvature. So you're going to have to hit a very precise shot. 17, a very short par three that's under 150 yards. And 18, a par five you can reach in two. So to me, I love the fact that Gilhans, um put those final three holes um, there in that way, in that position, so we can see some excitement. This golf course is kind of a tropical links course, uh, something that, you know, you would see in Jamaica, um, if you brought Royal Troon down there. <laughs> um, so it, it's a fun golf course. Guys are going to be playing the ball on the ground some as opposed to in the air. I think it's a gettable golf course. I think if the wind doesn't blow and it's relatively light, uh, there are a couple of days where it will be 10 to 15, maybe gusts a little higher. But if the wind doesn't blow, you could see the par 71 with some 64s and some 65s. So, um, so I think you're going to see some pretty good scoring here this week. So out of our four... Who do you think's got the best shot, given the yeah, golf that's course? A really good. It's funny. I'm at dinner right now, and I'm sitting around with some great golf minds. And who's who's got the best shot? Well, I'm going to say this. It's easy to say. First off, it's very hard to pick these things. I think I've been on your show so many times, Holly, and I've said, "Well, I like this, I like this." <laughs> I know. And they hardly ever happen. But I will. I the things I'm looking for here. Two things. One, this is a brand-new golf course that all these players generally, with the exception of the Brazilians, have had to learn quickly. They, they, you know, this is a golf course that's just brand-new to all of them. So because of that and because of the magnitude, I think you look at guys with great attitude and great form. Um, so you got to look at guys who really embrace the Olympic moment and guys who are playing well. And there's a reason why Henrik Stenson is the favorite. is because he has, ever since he's had the opportunity to be a part of Team Sweden to be here, He's embraced it. And secondly, he won in June on the European Tour. We obviously know what he did in July winning uh, at the Open Championship. He was in the mix and balls this for all a bit. 
So he's playing very, very well, and he really wants to win a gold medal. So I like him. But there are like lots of great storylines here. I mean, all the way from, you know, the guys that nobody's ever heard of, to Sergio finally getting something and achieving something, a gold medal. And you can go on and on and on. To one of the Americans, Ricky Fowler winning, what would that mean for the game globally, considering how popular he is with the youth and social media? So uh, it is an opportunity for not only the players to grow their brand, but more, more importantly for golf to expand worldwide. I think it's going to be super exciting. Todd Lewis from the Golf Channel. Todd, when uh, does the coverage start? I know it's going to be you know, all over NBC as, as well as the Golf Channel for our listeners. Uh, well, well, I have uh, all I do is work and sleep, which I enjoy. It's a labor of love. We've been on every day, um, I think nine to like two or three every day uh, so far. But t- starting tomorrow, competitive days, let me think here. Now, we're an hour ahead. It's all kind of mixing together. Uh, we're going to be on uh, early in the morning at 6 a.m. until 7.30 Eastern time on live from the Olympics. And then at 7.30, we start our live tournament coverage, and we're going to be on until the last putt drops. And then we'll have live from the Olympics after wrapping up each day. So we're going to completely have you covered on the Golf Channel, and occasionally we'll slip over to NBC. But if you want um, decisive tournament coverage, Keep it on the golf channel. All right, Todd Lewis, thank you so much. Stay safe, my friend. You're listening to the Golf Insiders. More golf talk coming up. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so We're back to Golf Insiders, wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house, Holly G, along with Will Perry. And we're going to go to one of our favorite golf insiders. He's all over the Rio Olympics, but he's sitting in his headquarters at Golf Week right in Metro West, Jeff Babineau from Golf Week. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Holly G and Will. How are you guys doing tonight? Hey, Jeff. Thanks for being with us. So we've, we've been talking about all the potential stories that may come out of the Olympics, Jeff, but um, we want to talk a little bit about the American team here because, um, you know, I, I'm curious who you think's going to – well, I, I, I can see Patrick Reed just getting amped up, and um, he, he loves these team competitions. You know, Ricky as well, but as you see our four, who, who, who do you think has the best shot? I think I think Ricky's going to be real fired up. You know, I mean, this could be his moment. Uh, he doesn't have that major yet. He had the great run a couple of years ago with four top fives. But, you know, this could really be a great moment for him. I think, you know, he was there for the opening ceremonies. you got to be inspired watching that. And I think he'll be ready to go. Uh, what do you make of Ricky's Olympic moment <laughs> haircut? Yeah, it looks like the mowers were off a little that morning on the fairways there, but uh, he's a little light on the side. It's hot down there. Maybe he's trying to do the cool thing. Well, it was fun to watch him, you know, participating in the opening ceremony. Um, you know, I, I, Todd Lewis from Golf Channel was just, you know, talking about watching how, you know, the players are just really getting into the whole Olympic uh, feeling, spirit, the experience. And, uh, you know, I... Like he said, this is a once in a lifetime, and the players are are really into it. 
I mean, I got to tell you, I was watching the uh, opening ceremonies, and Ricky was the third U.S. athlete interviewed. And I think that's when it really hit me, like, wow, this is going to be a big deal. And, uh, you know, I think you know they had Ferrity right on at the top of their uh, opening night show. They're going to play up golf. You know, NBC and the golf channel, it's a big deal. And uh, I think it's going to be a good deal. I, I, you know, Patrick, Har- Patrick Harrington, uh, we have a story on golfweek.com today where he says a lot of these top guys are probably regretting not going. And I, I fully believe that that's probably the case. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And and Ricky, you know, I saw that interview too. He he talked about, you know, growing up watching the Olympics and um, you know, I I really got the sense that, you know, this was something that, you know, he truly truly wanted to be part of. Yeah, and I mean all these guys, I think uh if they're smart, they're not just jetting in and jetting out. I mean, they're taking part in some of the other sports. I know Kucher was going to go watch a bunch of stuff. Padre Harrington had tickets to like 10 different events. And, and it's kind of a, it's just a neat opportunity. I mean, there, uh, Danny Willard was picking the brain of one of the heptathletes, a you know, gold medalist from Great Britain. So these guys are, you know, when you're a top athlete, like these golfers are top of their sport, I think you can kind of call something from picking the brains of people who are at the top of their sports. And I think all these people are going to come home and see it. It's a really valuable experience. I hope we get a great winner. I hope we get some significant, uh, you know, good play down the stretch. And, and I hope golf comes out the better for it. Well, we have actually another tournament happening simultaneously, the John Deere, which um, has been bounced around the schedule a few times. Um, you know, Zach Johnson playing in the field, Steve Stricker, Keegan Bradley, Jordan Spieth, who's defending champion, as we know, won in – 2013 with that amazing shot that he hit out of the bunker and won last year, but uh, due to not going to the Olympics, chose not to play. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I thought it was a classy move by Jordan. I mean, if he wasn't going to play, you don't want to take away the spotlight of those guys who are going down there by teeing it up at the John Deere. I thought that was a classy move, and I'm sure he'll make that up down the road. It's a, uh, you know, Zach Johnson's on the board there. They try to put together they, – they do put together a really nice event. They took a little bit of a bullet this year moving on the schedule up against the Olympics. I mean, if you remember, originally we weren't going to have golf against the Olympics. So uh, they're doing that, and they'll put on a good show there, and they'll have the Olympics of Silvis, Illinois, and the rest of the world might be watching those other guys, but uh, plenty of golf for the, the golf aficionado. And before we let you go, there is also – the U.S. Senior Open Championship at a great golf club, Scioto, in Columbus. Yeah, and I'm excited. I got four classmates from little tiny Florida Southern College in Lakeland playing in the Senior Open. I think that's kind of cool. You know, popu- you know, student population 2,000, and Marco Dawson and Lee Jansen, Rocco Media, Ralph Howe, they're representing. It's a great. It's our national championship. They set that one up hard. It's probably the hardest test they see all year, and We'll get a good finish there, too. So uh, just, it's just a great weekend for golf, a great week for golf. I'm excited for the Olympics, and I can't wait for them to get going. All right, Jeff Babineau from Golf Week. Check out all their coverage on golfweek.com. Thanks so much for spending some time with us, my friend. You got it, gang. Thanks. All right. Will, uh, you know who I'm picking. I know who you're picking. You're going to take Sergio. Picking? Yes, I am. Of course. I want him to bring home the gold. Okay, best USA player, I'll take Patrick Reed. Overall, I'll take Henrik Stenson. At the John Deere, I'll take Zach Johnson.
Ooh, um, I'm going to take Steve Stricker at the John Deere. That was another one I was thinking of, too. And uh, let's see. For my... I'm going to go with Ricky. Okay. For my, for my U.S. pick. It's hard to and, disagree with that. Um, hmm. You already said Sergio. U.S. Senior Open. Oh. Monty. Um, How about that one? That's a good one. I All like right. It. We're out of here. Enjoy the Olympics. We love you, the Golf Insiders. Bye-bye.